following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, December 3rd, 2020, season 16, episode number 74. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Dave and uh, Nick are there. Amber and I are at our our own homes. And uh, we got 45 minutes for you guys of Cowboys Talk. We got Bucky Brooks is going to be joining us here in just a moment so we can talk a little bit about the Baltimore defense versus the Cowboys offense. Before we do that, though, we do need to get uh, get caught up on a few injury updates. Uh, Nick, talk to us about the uh, injury updates on Anthony Brown, Alden Smith, and a surprise one, Trayvon Diggs. Uh, well, it doesn't sound like Alden Smith is is too bad. I, I think he may just be, you know, sick, and which I know, you know, is always kind of scary this time of year. But I, I think he just got maybe a, a minor cold or something. I don't think it's anything uh, major uh, for him. Um, Anthony Brown. I'm gonna defer to Dave on that one. I think he's. I haven't. I ha- well. They. I mean, that's the thing is this. This week is so weird. They didn't put out a practice report right. yesterday. I haven't heard uh, yeah. anything new on him. I think you know the extra time off um, will probably help him. You know, we heard that he was gonna try to give it a go going into the Thanksgiving right. game. Obviously, couldn't do it. So, I'm optimistic. Ribs. Yeah, I'm yeah. optimistic, but. You know, we've learned that Mike McCarthy is not going to give out information that he doesn't have to. Right. And so, you know, part of this weird week is that you don't have the normal practice reports. And I don't know if they have to. They Friday. probably, yeah, they don't have to do one today either because it's a very light football day for them with Marcus Paul's uh, memorial. So, yeah, tomorrow will probably be our first chance to really get a good look at it. Trayvon Diggs, um, you know, he was. We saw him yesterday running a little bit. Um, you know, obviously out of the walking boot and with a broken foot. He's he looks pretty good out there, just just from you know the nature of the injury against Pittsburgh. And so, um, you know, I talked to Stephen Jones yesterday, and he said that he, you know that they're really confident that he will be able to play at some point this season. Um, and he even said maybe sooner than, than they expected. So then you go back to what what was expected. What well, was four to six weeks, I believe, and I think the injury was November the eighth. So December eighth. You know that's about four weeks, and then you know I, w- I would say maybe I, I would say maybe there's a chance for Cincinnati game. Maybe you know what's funny is like it's those things always depend on the player, right? Like we talked about obviously the injury itself, like the timetable for return. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, like Zach Martin, depending on how these next few games go, you're like, yeah, maybe we don't need to see Zach again this year. You know, depending on right. how they play. I mean, he's he's an all-pro. Yeah. I've seen plenty of Zach Martin. But Trayvon Diggs, I'm like, get out there, buddy. Let's get some reps, man. Biotish, same way. If, yeah, let's if, go. if they lose every game between now and the, and the season finale, but those two guys can play against the Giants, absolutely play. Mm-hmm. Get in there and get some reps. Agreed. Yeah, that's the thing about it. At this point, you're, trying, you're really playing for next year anyway. Um, and whether it's your draft pick or whether it is actually looking at these younger guys. So, 
it makes a ton of sense to get him back. Even if he plays for just one game, it makes a ton of sense to get him back in there and give him some reps uh, that otherwise he wouldn't get until next season. All right, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and flip on to uh, Bucky Brooks. Bucky should be joining us here right now from NFL Network. Bucky, welcome to the show. We want to talk a little bit about this Baltimore defense versus the Cowboys offense. It was an interesting game yesterday. They didn't have a lot of their parts, but they played a very, very competitive game. Uh, talk to me specifically on the defense about the greatest weakness and the greatest strength of this Baltimore defense. The greatest strength of the Baltimore defense is their ability to bring pressure and the unique scheme that they employ. They're a team that is a high-pressure team. Uh, they line up in their 3-4 defense. They bring pressure from everywhere, and then they complement that with what we will call simulated pressure, meaning it looks like they're bringing more, but it's only four and they're dropping seven. And so they give the offense a lot to think about when it comes to all the pre-snap movement and disguise. I would say their biggest weakness has nothing to do with their personnel, but their ability to stay locked and engage over the course of a 60-minute game. It's a very emotional unit. You have some guys who kind of are redliners when it comes to their emotional um, mentality. And so you, you just wonder, can they keep it together? Marcus Peters and some of those other guys, Matt Udon, we've seen those guys have penalties. And so a lot of it really depends on which set of guys show up because they show up and they want to be the Baltimore Ravens that play at a high level, uh, they can absolutely obliterate you with what they do on defense. Bucky, talk to me about the run defense. We keep wanting the Cowboys to be able to run the ball better and more. So let me know how is this going to be a problem once again or are they going to be able to get the ball moving in this game? Well, it really depends on the personnel that's available for the Ravens. If Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell play, then it becomes tough sledding with the running game. If those guys are not available, then they have been gutted um, in the last few games. Like prior to the game against Pittsburgh, three of their last four games, they've been outrushed by their opponent. And so um, there's some vulnerabilities there when they don't have their big guys available. But if those big guys are there, it becomes a little tougher, it becomes a little stouter. And then when they begin to add the pressure and start sending guys from the second level and attacking how you run and blowing up your running game and really attacking your protections, it can be a very, very long day for the offense. Okay, Bucky, I, I mean, I, I obviously know who this guy is because of where he was drafted and where he played, uh, but can you just tell me about Marlon Humphrey? Like, I don't get to watch the Ravens a ton. I know he's a good player, but, like, my, my suspicion is that he's, like, one of the more underrated cornerbacks in the league. Am I, am I right on that, or, or am I a little bit off base? I don't, it, just, it seems like he's not getting his due for how well he's played over the last couple seasons. He's been a very good player. He's a Pro Bowl caliber player. He has played at that level. Um, he does a really good job in coverage. And what he has become is the master of the old peanut punch, which is what Charles Tillman made famous in Chicago when he always knocked the ball out. Well, Marlon Humphrey has become a guy that has a knack for knocking the ball out. And so for Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and guys that are handling the ball on the perimeter, they have to be aware of where number 54 is because he has a knack for prying the ball loose. And so it's not just him, it's everybody, but Marlon Humphrey has been a very, very good player in coverage, and he's also found a way to consistently create turnovers. Bucky, obviously the Baltimore kept that game close yesterday. Do you, they had, what, 20, 23 guys on the COVID list. Do you think that it was a benefit to, to face the Steelers or 
a, you know, a, a negative thing because they're an undefeated team. I mean, it seemed like their familiarity with Pittsburgh almost helped them. Yeah, and I think I think rivalry games are always unique like that. Sometimes you have to throw out the record. Uh, yeah, there's a level of familiarity with Baltimore playing Pittsburgh and also the way Pittsburgh plays because Pittsburgh doesn't really try and run the ball. So it was all about defending the short passing game from the Steelers, as we saw a few weeks ago when the Cowboys played them. I think the thing about the Ravens, it was a, a very, very solid effort, but there's a sense of frustration that is going on with the organization because this is a team that came in with title hopes and they certainly have underperformed. Offensively, they're struggling and they don't really have an identity. That leads to the defense being frustrated because the offense isn't performing to that level. And so when I talk about it being a very emotional group, it's kind of like an emotional powder keg and it can blow at any time. And if you give them enough reasons, they will self-destruct and they're teetering on the brink, and we've seen that the last couple of weeks. Bucky, the uh, Baltimore defense has allowed 300-plus passing yards only once this season, and that was to what most people agree is the best offense in the league in Kansas City. They hit it for 385. Um, is their pass defense so good because of their pressure, or is it the, the, the secondary and their coverage? It's funny because I saw uh, Dave Hellman's tweet when he was talking about, I'm trying to figure out pressure and coverage, which matters more. I would say that pressure always matters more than coverage because it forces the quarterback to throw the ball under duress. Uh, Errant throws, tips, overthrows typically happen when they're hurried. And if you hit the quarterback early, it changes the way that he performs. And so for Baltimore, it is all about the pressure and how they do it. That said, their guys in the back end can be had. Um, Marcus Peters is a gambler. He squats on routes. He has great instincts and eyes, but he guesses. And if you can protect up front, you certainly can get him on double moves. Marlon Humphrey is a little more sound in his technique. He is more difficult to kind of get on those double moves. But Marcus Peters is the one that you want to target. But it's still a, a, a sense of buyer beware because if you keep throwing the ball over there, he is going to make a play, even though he may give up a few plays. I want to ask you this question because I've seen a few fans make this comment. Despite of all the struggles that the Ravens are currently facing and having backups and all that, when you look to evaluate both teams, are the Ravens still a better team than the Cowboys currently? Yes, I would say the Ravens are a better team because their defense is more consistent and more dominant. Offensively, the offensive line is probably a push because their struggles on offense have have centered around their offensive line being unable to control the point of attack. The thing that makes them right is, number eight, Lamar Jackson can make them right with his athleticism. And when they are committed to the running game and they're not trying to be cute, they can run it down your throat. What happened against the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday may have been a blessing in the size. They had to get back to running the ball out of these tight, compacted looks with these heavy personnel formations, three tight ends. That's really how they ran over the league last year. Maybe it forces Greg Roman to get back to that because when they play like that, that's when they're the most dangerous team, even though Hollywood Brown and Willie Sneed and those guys have been celebrated. They're more effective when they really play in a phone booth as opposed to playing spread. I'm going to ask this question knowing full well that it might not matter because the off the Dallas offensive line is a mess. Uh, so I get that, but 
you know, you look at you look at Baltimore's front, and there's like there's a whole bunch of names you recognize. You know, Campbell. Everybody knows Calais Campbell. Everybody knows Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, even you know Matthew Udon has had a nice. You know, he's playing on the. I, he, I believe he's playing on the tag. Uh, had a nice season last year, but mm-hmm. none of those guys are really blowing it up this year. So if I'm looking, you know, if I'm looking at their front. And again, I understand that they'll they'll probably win a lot of matchups because of the state of this offensive line. But which one should worry me the most? Like, I mean, which Dallas offensive lineman has got the toughest assignment coming into this game? You know, like it is really tough because um, the way they can overload the front and the way they bring pressure, they bring pressure to really isolate your offensive lineman. And so I would say the two edge rushers have difficulty, Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele, because we've seen those difficulties showing up. They show up on tape. But then even on the inside, depending on where uh, Calais Campbell lines up, it could be Connor Williams or Connor McGovern. Both of those guys could have problems. And so this is a game where the individuals have to play well, and it's going to be hard for guys to help each other because they're going to put enough bodies at the line of scrimmage where they can create those one-on-ones through pressure. And then really it's about skill on skill. And right now that tips in the Baltimore Ravens' favor. All right, Bucky, I'm going to ask this from any perspective that you want to take it. Would Earl Thomas have helped this team? (laughs) Or I'll say it this way. Are you surprised going back this summer that Earl Thomas is not in this game? No, not at all. Not surprised. Um, and I say this being a being an Earl Thomas fan because uh, we have mutual connections. My guy coached him, Mac Brown, but Earl was not a, a model citizen in the locker room. Earl um, had got to the point where he was freelancing to a point that it was hard to hold him accountable. And some of his behaviors as a veteran player um, Rubbed not only his teammates wrong, but rubbed the coaches wrong. And so it made it very, very difficult to kind of establish and create the culture that you want when you have a player who is so egregious in his actions. And I think that is also part of the reason why he hasn't been picked up to this point, because the reports that come out of Baltimore just about his relationships and accountability and the things that he was doing in the locker room just made it very, very difficult. And I don't know if in Dallas, when you or a new regime and you're trying to kind of establish something, I don't know if it would have been positive in terms of his influence on the younger players on top of his willingness to freelance and do his own thing in the back end. And I'll just ask this uh, you as think a he ever plays up. again in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, Nick. I was going to ask, do you think he ever plays again in the NFL? Nice. Seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I, I, think, I, think, I think time <laughs> heals all wounds. But I, I, I felt like it was going to be a difficult – road for him getting back into the league this year just because of the pandemic and everything and all the stuff that was coming out when you have a full year away and you have an opportunity to kind of build up the PR campaign and show some contrition and some of those things yeah he has an opportunity to get back into the league but I'll say this he's not the player that he was in Seattle Um, age and injuries have taken away some of his skills and then it becomes a risk and reward like Am I risking blowing up my locker room? And the reward is not really what I think I'm getting. I think that is what he has to show, that he not only can be a good player in the locker room, but he still has enough skills to take on all the stuff that comes along with him. Yeah, that's what I call the T.O. effect. All right, uh, Bucky, before we let you go, we do want to get to the final, uh, your final prediction on what you think will happen on next Tuesday. Who wins this game and why? Six days Gosh, away. Man, it's tough, man. I, <laughs> I hate 
hate being the very. Um, I think this is a tough game because our, our, uh, Lamar Jackson comes back. And I think Lamar Jackson, having the time away to look at the game from the side, will enable him to get back into a rhythm. And this is a must-win game for the Baltimore Ravens. So I think you're probably going to see the best effort from them with Mark Ingram coming back, J.K. Dobbins, and all the guys that sat out. This is going to be a tough one. The odds are stacked against the Cowboys, not only from a talent standpoint, but also in terms of a motivation standpoint. This is a highly motivated team coming in. Yeah, it's very interesting. I was watching that game yesterday. I was just thinking to myself, if this is what the Baltimore Ravens are without half their team, it's going to be really tough when they get all those guys back. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Hey, Bucky, we appreciate you joining us. We'll be back with you next week so we can start talking a little bit about the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to do some questions. So get your questions in. You can hit us at Cowboys Break on Twitter. Uh, Amber will get those questions. and We'll answer some of those questions throughout the remainder of the show. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Now available within the Dallas Cowboys app under the Star Stadium tab, you can pose with the pros on the go. Presented by AT&T 5G, yeah. bringing the in-stadium experience to the palm of your hand. Snap a photo with your favorite Cowboy player anywhere at any time. I'm done. Welcome back. I think we lost Derek. Welcome back. It is oh, the second segment of the break live from the SWBC Morgan Studios. At the star. I don't know what happened there. I lost all you guys for a second, so I hope I didn't cut off your read, Nick. Uh, But let's jump right back in. We're going to take some questions uh, throughout the remainder of the show. I did have one question for you guys before we get to the fan questions. Remember, if you guys have questions, you can hit us at Cowboys Break on Twitter. 
but this question I want I want to go around the table and answer the the Baltimore Ravens right now lead the league in fumble recoveries, forced fumbles. If you're Mike McCarthy, what are you saying to Zeke this week? Let's start with you, Dave. I I mean, what is there to say? What is there to say in December to a guy who's been playing running back who was eight, who's on the biggest salary in in the league? Like, hold on to the damn ball. I on it. Like, like at this point, I'm. I kind of. This sounds counterintuitive. Like Mike McCarthy shouldn't have to say anything to him. Just do it. Do it. Literally. Like that's. I don't care that the yards per carry isn't that great. I don't care that the explosive runs aren't there. This whole season is working against the running back position. Don't get me wrong. It would be awesome if Zeke could do that stuff. But I don't care. Just hold on to the ball. Like that's that's how low my expectations are by now. Just don't fumble, and and nobody should have to tell Ezekiel Elliott that. Agreed. Amber. I mean, oh, Amber. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead, I, Nick. I agree. <laughs> I just agree. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't know what you can say. Just just hang on to the football. This defense is playing. Well I know. Enough. I know. Let him have it. Let's go. Give well, me a real AG rant. Okay. Right now. Here, here. Hear me out. Hear me out. This is going to sound stupid, but if you think about it, it actually it's actually pretty smart. <laughs> you get Zeke to play with no sleeves, right? No sleeves. You buy some, um, you know that perspirant or antiperspirant deodorant that makes you, like, protects you from sweating? You put some on, and then on the arms, and then you buy some... Sticky as glue, that's what it's called. There's one that they sell. It's like rat glue. And you put it on, on right here. Okay. I mean, no one would know. No one would know. And I, I think that would be pretty smart. He hangs on to the ball. It sticks on there. I don't know if that would be cheating. It's just being smarter than the opponent there, I think. And that's just finding a little solution to the problem. Do you think Amber has any idea who Fred Bolitnikoff is? No. But yeah, I but get she where, does. I get where you're going. I mean, no. she's saying she's saying but she does. she's giving she his tricks does. away. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't. I mean, this I'm has been sure around for a long time. Anybody listening to this show has probably seen the replacements. You remember Orlando Brown just dipped his hands and stick them because right. he couldn't catch the ball. Yeah. Just yeah. Let's get some pine tar and just coat Zeke before the game. That's my <laughs> suggestion. Problem is just is, the whole body, just the whole yeah. body, or at least from the shoulders yeah. to the to the fingertips, the whole thing. Both arms. <laughs> and it's second and eight. Hey, you got to find the solution. You're right. And desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah, like, at this point, Mike McCarthy's like, bro, I've been telling you to hold on to the ball since September. Like, we're getting we're getting drastic in here. You know, what he could do is he could make, um, like, their hotel keys could say, like, protect the ball on it or something the like ball, that. The ball, the ball, the ball, the ball, the ball. Because I don't know if, if the hotel, they're, they're just regular That's keys. That's what it was. They're just regular keys. They're, they don't say, like, the ball. Zeke didn't, the rock. Zeke didn't care about that, except when he checked out on Sunday right. mornings, he saw it on his hotel key. That's what it was. I guess, is that a terrible and insight, And that reminded joke? him. Sorry. Jason Garrett used to put Maybe bring, inspirational bring the phrases on the hotel keys. Week. It's... <laughs> oh, maybe they will. They're going back on the road. Yeah, let's let's do it. Would you guys would you guys consider at all using less of Zeke and more of Pollard in a game like this? Uh, less meaning that Pollard gets more of the workload. I don't think so. And, and that's not like it's yeah. not a it's yeah. not a salary thing. It's not you know it's not because they're like because I would be afraid to do it. But I just I mean Zeke is still I. 
I insist that Zeke is still a good football player. You're going to need multiple running backs to beat a physical team like this. I don't. I mean, I am not like it's a classic situation of like what we've only seen. We've probably the the high for Tony Pollard's career is like 12 carries. Never yeah. seen what it looks like if Tony Pollard gets 20 carries. Right. Don't know if it would be better. I I don't say less uh, Zeke. More Pollard. I say more Pollard, less Blake Bell or less Dalton Schultz. Or I mean, uh, just just put them back in there together, and, and maybe his snaps take over for the the two tight end sets, or maybe some of Cedric Wilson's. You know, whatever whatever they're they're doing. I just would like to see the rotation involve him more, and maybe him and Zeke more together. That's what that's what I was gonna say. It's like when. <laughs> You can say, oh, Zeke versus Pollard, but at the end of the day, I feel that they're not really trying to run the ball as much, period. Like, it doesn't matter who's the running back at that point. I, I personally would like them just to keep trying to run the ball a little bit more, regardless of who the running back is. Yeah, and if you look at the matchup this week, it's, it clearly, in my opinion, favors uh, the ability to run over the ability to pass. They have a really good pass defense. They've given up some yards, though, on the ground. Uh, even Philadelphia hit them up for 194 yards on the ground, and we know the issues they have with their offensive line and that they've had all season with the running backs as well. So I think there's some opportunity there in the run game if the Cowboys can be committed to it and they can, uh, can block it up a little bit. All right, let's get to some fan questions. Amber, what do you have over there? Um, I know... You guys are going to start the draft show tomorrow, so maybe we do a little preview on here because that's what a lot of fans are asking. So here's the question for you guys. Do the Cowboys draft for a 3-4 defense or for a 4-3 defense? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Hadn't even... That's a great question. Yeah. I hadn't considered it. Um, I mean, in the, in the middle... In the middle of this season, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, that's that's really that's the fun thing about the draft process is, which we'll see how it changes because of the pandemic. But you know, you go to Mobile and you go to Indy, and you kind of you get to talk to these people away from microphones, maybe over a drink, or or you just see, you know, you find out who's on their visit list. You're like, well, they're these guys, like all the guys they're visiting with at the combine are these like six six two hundred and thirty pound edge rushers, like. They're looking at 3-4. I mean, that's, you know, that was how Dak Prescott first cropped up on everybody's radars that they met with him at the combine and then they brought him in and then Wade Wilson went out to Mississippi State. So, it's hard to say that while they're still playing games. I really I really don't I don't have a great answer for you just cuz we're so early in the process. My my answer to that is it needs to be the third question that you that you answered. The first one is is Jalen Smith coming back? Second one is what defensive scheme are you going to put him in? If he's better suited for a three-four, then fine. I mean, then 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 do that. And and I think that they're right there on the edge where they can kind of do that. Randy Gregory helps them. Neville Gallimore helps them. I think play a three-four. D Law could probably go either way there. So I think they're just a few pieces away. But I would figure out what you're going to do with Jalen Smith. And and I. I think he could be a three-four middle linebacker um, with with Layton in the middle, but you know you, you need other pieces if you're going to do that. I'd like to try him as what a three-four DPR, I, but yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Derek. I no, I was just going to say I think we all saw earlier this season and during training camp that they have a preference to be a hybrid defense. They want to be able to use some three-four. Um, so I I would suspect that they're going to probably try to get some versatile players that can do both. 
I know that's a hard thing to do, but that seems like what they really want to do is is be a hybrid defense that can morph based upon matchups, based upon yeah. different times in games. And, and so I would expect they're probably going to get some players that may look like three, four players, but they're players that also can play some four, three as well. And I, I think they're going to be a they're going to try to be at least a a defense that can give you multiple looks, multiple fronts. Nick, you were just talking about Jalen Smith. Seeing the fact that he's shown some coverage issues, do you guys think that they put a spy on Jackson? If they if they put a spy on Jackson, would it be Leighton Vanderesh? Um, yeah, Leighton or Jalen Smith? Please, Ooh. please, God, it, please don't do that to Jalen. Yeah, that, I, that to anyone. I well, mean, I mean, you're right to anybody. Jordan Lewis. <laughs> yeah, is, uh, Jordan Lewis is probably the best guy you've got. And I would, and he he wouldn't sleep at night. Well, not Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis, he he's he, yeah, he'd be like, let's go. You know, I I got him. I got he, him. I yeah. don't think. Yeah. I do not think that is a recipe for success. Success with this personnel. Like if, yeah, drop in drop in zone. Absolutely. Like keep him in front of you. Yeah. Let's let's have all the linebackers and as many corners as possible facing the line of scrimmage, so you can tell when he starts to move. I like that idea. I, I would try to drop in zone a lot in this game, but. I don't think there's somebody on this team. I don't. No. There's there's probably only like three guys in the NFL that could adequately spy Lamar Jackson. You know, yeah. like Devin White in Tampa Bay comes to mind. Maybe Bobby Wagner could still do it, or like a Jamal Adams. But I don't. I don't like the idea of somebody on this defense trying to do that. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to rely on one guy, if you're relying on one guy to actually take down Lamar Jackson if he gets loose in the open field you're going to be in for a long day. You have to rely on the fact that your defense can rally to him, and that's about playing zone defense, like you said, Dave, and and everybody being able to see what's happening. And if he starts to break the pocket and starts running, everybody can kind of try to converge and and corral him because he's just too fast and too elusive for them to do it any other way. And that's what makes him so good. That's what makes running quarterbacks so good because when you start start thinking about who could match up and, and like a spy, well, where does the spy have to have to sit? Or stand close to the line of scrimmage. Okay, so then what happens when they run the ball and I've got Jordan Lewis going to spy, but really number 63 is coming off the tackle and he wants to just get him out of the way. That's a mismatch. So it's really hard to find someone that that can run with him but also can can play run defense that close to the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's that's what makes these guys so good, the the running quarterback. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take our final break. When we come back, we're going to have some more questions. You can hit us at Cowboys Break on Twitter. We'll get some of those questions. Amber also has some other questions lined up. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Ah, uh, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. 
Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Give the gift of the Cowboys this holiday season with a membership to Dallas Cowboys United presented by Globe Life for a limited time. Get a commemorative established 1960 label pin with your fan pack membership. Start at just $20. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash United to join today. I don't like that word. Welcome back. We're in the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're taking fan questions. You can hit us at Cowboys Break on Twitter. Amber, what do you have? Should we hold out um, on all the criticism we have been making this year and wait until we actually give them a full season and see how that a full off season, sorry, and then see how that season turns out? Uh, there won't be any talk radio. There wouldn't be any shows. There wouldn't be five shows on mm-hmm. our. St- I mean, they, they just that's that's. That's what happens. I mean, that I mean there's that's why people talk about the draft so early and all that stuff because they're like, like this is okay. Well, this we know what this is. Like we got to move on. So if you you can't sit there and wait, nobody waits anymore. Well, we should probably give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Well, they'll just come back and say I'm sorry later. That's what they'll say. Like I'm sorry. And McCarthy's actually a pretty good coach if that happens. But I'm saying right now it's just easy because because think about it. We do this too. Every single play we do like the overview like. You know what? That, he's just not very good. Even though, like, he gives yeah. up a he gives up a sack, it's like this, he's he's not very good. And it's like, well, well. it's it's the classic it, it's the classic quarterback thing too. Is like you have you, know, you you and I, but also like every fan listening, you've seen every snap of Dak Prescott's career. Right. You've probably seen thirty five percent of every other quarterback's snaps. Like, yeah. I mean, you watch a lot of football, yeah. but. You know, you're not watching Rodgers if the Packers are playing at the same time. You're, you haven't seen every snap of Pat Mahomes' sure. career. Pat Mahomes makes three awful decisions a game, or you know, three. Yeah. Over, you know, but you don't see that, and you, so you don't get away with it. You don't weigh it the same <laughs> way, and, and that you, you do it with your team too. So. I just see the Super Bowl win. Oh, well, like, and, I saw, I saw and that. absolutely, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying Dak is as good as no, Pat Mahomes. I know, I know what you're but. Saying. You just you weigh it differently when you're into the minutia of your team versus just but, sort of seeing the overview of everybody else's. But doesn't it seem like with every snap, you're, you, we, we every fan just sits there like they're the judge, like they've listened to the jury, they've listened to the both sides of this, and they finally they said, "Here's the decision on every play." Like this guy's really good, or this guy he can't throw, you know, and just that's just we that's what we do. So that's a nice question, but like. There's just too many people, too many bloggers, too many people that just want to have the answer and and want to have an opinion about it. So, it well, the other thing too, happen. I mean, it's a sliding scale, right? Like, 
do I think Mike McCarthy deserves to get fired after one after this terrible season? No, not with everything that's gone against him, not with the circumstances. Do I think he should be absolved of all blame? Absolutely not. And I'm going to do what I just criticized people for doing because I have not watched every snap of the Carolina Panthers season, but I know that Matt Rule is in the exact same circumstances with an untalented team. I mean, before the season, the Panthers were viewed as a contender for a top five pick. Right. And I mean, they're taking people to the wire. They took the Saints to the wire. They went toe to toe with the Chiefs on the road at Kansas City. Um, therefore, you know, they've got a better record than the Cowboys right now. And and they've done a lot of it without Christian McCaffrey. So they've had their own injury issues. So no, Mike McCarthy does not get a complete pass for this season. But I also, you know, I'm you not know, I'm not trying to fire him either. Sorry, what's up, Derek? I will say this, Dave, mentioning Carolina, uh, that a lot of people believe that, that Matt Rule butchered that, that game and time management in that last game against Minnesota, and that was the reason they lost. Uh, he didn't take enough time uh, before they, they scored, and it ended up giving the ball back uh, to, uh, to Minnesota, and they went down and scored and won the game. So th- there's something, like you said, if you're not watching all the plays, you, don't miss, the, you miss some of the nuance. But I will say this, I, I, believe, I believe, and I've come to this conclusion on this, I think it's fair to criticize because I think there have been some things that are worthy of criticism uh, from Mike McCarthy and from his coaching staff. I just would caution anybody from burying them. I wouldn't be making just grand statements about whether he can coach or how good he is as a coach uh, because at the end of the day, they didn't. And, it, and I know it's an excuse, but it's also an explanation. They didn't have the ability to meet with their team as much as they would normally do to be able to set up things, be able to get their team uh, accustomed to the things they want to do and get them prepared for a season. So all those things considered, I wouldn't bury him yet. I would just say you can criticize the things that he does uh, that you think aren't good, uh, but I wouldn't bury him just yet. I I think this team will be much better when they have uh, a little more time. I think they'll be, and they get a lot of these players back that have been injured, these frontline players that have been injured. I I completely I think one of the things... Sorry, Amber, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that one of the things, too, regardless of who the head coach is or any of that, I feel that every season we start off training camp thinking or seeing the potential that the team can have and thinking that maybe, maybe this might be the year. And there's a lot of people who think that at the beginning of the season every year. So when you start seeing it play out, not the way that you expected, there is more criticism there. And you just attack things differently because it's not the outcome that you want to see happening. I would just. Were you going to say it. something, Dave? Yeah, I, w- I was just. I I agree with everything Derek said, and that's like I'm not interested in burying anybody. But specifically, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, I just don't think there's an excuse that holds water for how bad they've been. And like the the pandemic, all of I'm that, with you on that. All of that, I get it. You know, all of that is it. It's it's out there and it's fair. And that's I bring up Carolina as that's my reference point to say, well, that is a brand new coaching staff that has had all of the similar challenges and I haven't watched every snap of their season but but this is the worst defense in the league or has been for yeah. long stretches of the season I just that that stuff doesn't hold water for the amount of ineptitude we've seen at times in know, my opinion you know how many times we've heard Brian say you know uh, brought us would, would say 
you, you coaches have to know their team. You, you have to know your team. And, and I think that's just been a big challenge for, for all coaches and all new staffs. But it seems like it's been a bigger one for this staff. They just haven't really figured out. And, and how can you know? You're like, what's her name? Is it Savion or Savion? Savion. Oh, Savion. Okay, go, go play corner. Go, go out there and play against uh, the Steelers. Go. I mean, like that, that, that's been a challenge for every team. But I'm just saying I don't think he really understands what he's got. Uh, it's taken some time, and then that goes back to what we said yesterday about the aggressive plays. Wow, you know, we you don't have Aaron Rodgers cashing the checks that you're you're trying to to write. You don't have it anymore, so you've got to figure that out. Yeah, I'll say this, Dave, on on what you just said. I think with the one thing we've learned about that defensive staff and and their decision making, I guess it goes all the way up to McCarthy. Is either one of two things: either they don't like change, or they're very stubborn. Uh, because we've seen them in situations where they've needed to make some decisions and they've been so so against making those decisions until they're forced and their hand is forced to finally make decision and you find out later that it was the right decision, right? And so either they don't like change or they're very, very stubborn. I don't think either one of them is good for them and that's what we've seen this year and I think that's part of the reason why this defense was so bad for so long. Here's a, another question that fits into this theme and this topic. With all the questionable decisions that we've been talking about, especially in this past game that we saw the Cowboys play, how close do you think that McCarthy is to losing his team amongst the players? I actually, and this is totally, this is like anecdotal. You would honestly be the best person to answer this because you travel with them. You, you're a little bit closer, but... I sort of feel like I get the impression that they're tighter than they were a month and a half ago. Like, I think that that part of it doesn't worry me as much. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I don't get to go into the locker room five days a week like I used to. So maybe my read on it is not as good. But, like, it really it felt to me like he was on the cusp of losing this team during the yeah. like the first time they lost to Washington. You know I mean, when Demarcus Lawrence is saying that yeah. they're spineless on the record to a reporter – that's not good, right. um, but it. I don't. I don't know. I don't get that sense recently. No. Even even though they, you know, they just lost a, you know, they lost a pretty embarrassing game to Washington the other day. I still don't get that sense. Well, we'll see because right now, since the worst decision he's made this season, they're they're down twenty one nothing. Like that. That's what you know. We don't know. We don't know anything other than like he made a really bad decision, and everyone knows it, but them. And you know, but, but then and then they came back and they gave up three straight touchdowns. And so we haven't seen any kind of response. We'll see if they come back and have some life there. And 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 like Amber said about the the watermelons. I mean, what is it this this week? You know, what what is it before? I mean, it's got to be something. And and I think that 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 kind of helped. And you know, they, they played better. And but they're they're going to have to figure something out. I think it's a very very good question because yeah. I don't I don't know I think I think it's been a roller coaster it's yeah. been up it's been down right now it's down let's see if they come back you know they had plenty of time to, to rest here do you guys think that the Cowboys give Dinucci or Gilbert any playing time before the end of the season if it gets away from them absolutely yeah uh, you know it, I mean this this reminds me of of course it does because it was the last time they were really bad but 2015 like they tried their best you know Romo came back and everybody got excited for a week and that didn't work out they brought Castle back out there but he was awful in a game that kind of put him out of the division race and then Kellen Moore took over for the last three weeks right. I think I think this this two game swing against Baltimore and Cincinnati will decide 
what the rest of the season, what the last yeah. three games look like. Like, I mean, if you beat Baltimore, and, and I mean, you'd like to think they can beat Cincinnati, especially without Joe Burrow. So if they beat Baltimore, they got a good shot to beat Cincinnati. All of a sudden, they're what five and eight, and now no, and probably you're not going to see those guys. But if they lose these next two games, or if you know, if if the division gets away from them, I would expect you'll see a young quarterback start at least the last game of the season. Yeah, because they're going to win four straight you know, games. They're going to go seven and eight, and then they'll have <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. wrapped up. And then the last game against the Giants, they'll just sit back. There we Wow. <laughs> that would be – I know we overuse this phrase, but that would be the most 2020 thing ever is if they sit Andy Dalton in week 17 because they've clinched the NFC East. Yeah. Like, that would just be oh, – that, that would be insane. I, I, I do want Andy Dalton. I would like to see him play against Cincinnati. I think, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure he, he, he would love that. But, but I think it's a good question. I mean, like – if they don't win those two games, and you got to make those decisions. Is Garrett Gilbert part of the, the future? Is he a guy that you want to maybe use as a backup quarterback? And if so, maybe he plays more. But, but I think that would have to be a few weeks down the road. You know, guys, I kind of disagree there. I actually think, listening to what Jerry has said over the last several weeks, I, I kind of get the impression that they feel like uh, they're, not, they're not necessarily looking at these young guys as being a backup next year. I would actually be shocked if they don't re-sign Andy Dalton to be their backup again next year because I think if the way Jerry will probably look at this is, hey, I think there were a lot of things that that contributed to us not being very good this year. And part of that is Dak, but I think he believes if he had his tackles right now and if his coach would have had an offseason, I think he believes right now they'd be contending. And I don't know that I disagree with that. And so... I think when it comes down to it, I think they want to play Dalton as much as they can down the stretch because, number one, I do think they still want to, at least the coach does, still want to try to win, and he gives them the best chance to win. But I also think that they want to see what he can do because I think they are still evaluating whether they want to keep him next year. And I think I think I would be kind of shocked if they don't try to keep him next year. And there's nothing he's doing right now, I think, that's going to make him just this hot commodity where other teams are going to be jumping in trying to sign him to be their starter. I, will, I mean, I agree with that. It's not it's not all his fault, but Andy Dalton hasn't looked good enough that you have to worry about him signing some massive deal in the offseason. But I don't know, man. Like, you got to do what you got to do right now because the division is up for grabs. But you want to send a 30-something-year-old quarterback out there behind this offensive line in a game that doesn't mean anything in the standings and potentially get him killed? I mean, like, you, you have to right now because a playoff spot is still up for grabs. But if it's not anymore... I, I, if I was Andy Dalton, I'd be like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Which he probably wouldn't say that because he's. But you know, a, a you don't think like, yeah, you don't think like a football player, yeah. right? They, these guys want to go out. You only get as as Brian, you, you just mentioned, brought us as he always says. You only get 16 of these, right? So these guys want to be out there as much as possible because it's just another opportunity to compete. If if a playoff spot is not, and like you know, we're I, we're basically talking week 16 and 17. If a playoff spot is yeah. not up for grabs for those two games, I wouldn't send. I mean, Andy Dalton's already been concussed playing behind this line. Like I, I wouldn't do that to him. I and maybe they will. I don't know. But look at the way he responded to that, Dave. The, the way he played oh, uh, against Washington. I mean, this guy was like no. diving head first. Like he, he was not scared. You got to tell how much no. he wants to play. You got to be wired right. To, you got to be wired the right way to play in the NFL, and I, I'm not trying to like Andy Dalton's a competitor. He's I'm not trying to knock him, but again, 
they were playing for first place in the division on Thanksgiving. Like there were, I mean, there were there were tangible things to be gained. Week seventeen, somebody else has already clinched the division. I just I don't know if it's the same story. We'll see. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We will be back. Remember, we're not going to have a show tomorrow. We will be doing the draft show tomorrow, so make sure you tune in for that at 11 a.m. It's going to be an hour and a half show. Then on Monday, we'll be back. We'll get you guys ready for the Tuesday game, Cowboys versus Ravens. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!